Hello, everyone, and welcome inside to another e- welcome to another episode of Courtside Convo. This is our first episode of 2023. I'm AJ Evans. I'm your host back here with Josh Gutbrod and a new face we have here tonight, Tim Marshall. Tim, man, how are you doing? Introduce yourself to people who don't know you. Good. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, my name's Tim. Uh, I'm from Massachusetts, and I'm a Celtics fan, so I'm excited to get started here. Celtics fan, the number one team in the East right now. Yeah, hope, hopefully we'll keep it that way. Oh, yeah, for sure, man, for sure. It's great to be back here with you guys. There's a lot going on in the NBA right now. This trade deadline is a few days away now. Um, All-Stars have just been released. LeBron is creeping closer towards Kareem's record, a record that seemed unbreakable for so many years. So we're going to get into all of that tonight. Uh, But we'll start off with a brief update on the trade deadline. But before we even get into that, let me go to my left here, check on Josh Gutbrod, who's a returning host. Josh, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm great to be – I'm happy to be here. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's it's nice to get get back going. Oh, yeah. So – Brief update on the trade deadline, guys. I guess I can start things off. Uh, start off talking a little bit about OG Ananobi. I think he's arguably the biggest trade chip right now on the block. I don't think there's anybody who's who's commanding a higher asking price, you know, from their respective team. I don't know if you guys saw, but there was some rumor going around that a mystery team, which is now believed to be the Knicks, offered three first-round picks for OG. So... I just want to hear your guys' thoughts. I guess I'll start with Josh on what's going on in Toronto. Yeah, I feel like this is an annual tradition in the NBA is talking about OG at the trade deadline. I mean, I just – I this seems – definitely it seems like there's the most traction this year compared to the previous years. A lot of the previous years it felt more like other teams being interested and trying to stir up rumors and whatnot, where this actually seems like the Raptors might have some interest in moving – which makes sense. I, I mean, I we've talked about this before on the pod where I just don't – I like all of the Rap, Raptors' talent, every every player, but I don't like almost every one of the fits. And that's something that needs fixing. I think they have a great coach, and I think that, you know, trading a guy like OG and getting a King's Ransom back really helps a team like that. It's got good management, you know, good coaching staff, and, you know, they're not – they're not even doing poorly right now. They just they just need to they need to adjust their lineup to better better accent the talent they have, and and OG's been there long enough. I think they're gonna roll with Barnes and you know Siakam's kind of the best player there. So I, I'm interested because the Knicks might have to offer three first round picks because that's that's a that's a conference trade, but that's also divisional. And and Toronto just you know might not want to be doing that because uh, Brunson's playing very well, Randall's playing very well. You put OG in there, I mean, three first round picks. They're not losing anything out of that rotation. You, I would probably want to at least try to get RJ Barrett back. No, I agree. I think, I think with players like OG, you have to. I think Toronto's going to have a choice. I think they'll have to either try and maximize this championship window if they believe they have one right now or prioritize their future. But either way, I think you have to go all in on one or the other. So, but yeah, what about you, Tim? What do you think? I, I think, um, I think they should move them. They got, they got a lot of the same kind of guys. Everyone's like six, eight lengthy defender. Some can shoot, some can't. Um, I think I don't, 
he's also in line for an extension coming up in the next either one or two years and yes. his market i think i don't think his market is like a 30 million dollar a year player but a team may be willing to do that like a team like the pelicans or the grizzlies i, I saw some rumors today that they're both kind of bidding against each other as well they're two up and coming young teams in the west and they would both want that wing so i think that would be a very interesting um dynamic there if they bid each bid against each other next week yeah i mean new orleans wasn't as surprising it was a little bit to me i guess just because they already have two forwards i feel like they're to a lesser to a lesser degree you know the western conference version of the celtics and the fact they have two forwards who are just big time you know zion and bi obviously brandon ingram but the grizzlies are a little bit i don't know i was a little confused i guess by their interest just because i mean they're already so complete they're so deep but also too it's like who do you who would you give up? Like, what do you give up? Like, who's the package centered around coming out of Memphis for OG? I mean, I think it's a lot. It's probably three firsts in Dylan Brooks. I think because OG's an upgrade over Dylan Brooks. I and agree. He is. I think if you want to get better, and they, I feel like they're still just a tier below championship contender. I think they just need that one more chip, and I think OG can be that guy for them. Yeah, I, I think with Memphis, too, I agree they're very complete, but also OG kind of gives them an element that they don't have right now where, like, I do think Memphis is complete, but they, they don't have a ton of size on the wing. Like, Brooks is a little bit small for the positions they play him at, you know, especially defensively. Bain is a bigger two-guard, but, like, you know, Jaws a pretty normal-sized guard, and they don't have, like, you know, like, Jaron Jackson's very long, but he kind of bounces with the interior, you know, towards the perimeter, especially at the three spot. They don't really have, you know, a super lengthy, you know, stopper that also can get buckets like OG can. Like, that, I just think it'd be such an upgrade that I see why Memphis is interested. And they have the picks to do it. They're not one of these teams who's mortgaged the future yet. They can – I think that would be – he's kind of the perfect missing piece for them. To and mortgage the future for. Yes. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. No, I agree with you guys. I think, I think it is interesting. I just, you know – Memphis is so great right now. And, you know, chemistry is a very fragile thing in the league. But I think if, if anyone would put them over the top, it would be Ananobi. So we'll have to continue to look out for that. We'll probably have an update on OG next week because it seems like there's something new about him every day now. Um, but another guy on the trade block who seems like he's perpetually on the trade block is John Collins, the Atlanta Hawks forward, who – I don't know about you guys, but I feel like Collins has been disgruntled and unhappy in Atlanta for most of his career at this point. So I just want to get your guys' thoughts on him. He's averaging career lows this season almost across the board. Um, Atlanta's been okay so far. You know, I don't think the partnership between DeJounte Murray and Trey Young is maybe gelled as quickly as they anticipated it to, but they're still a pretty talented team, at least on paper, but I'll start with you, Tim, on this one. Your thoughts on John Collins in Atlanta? Um, yeah, they gotta kind of redistribute. I think at the in the front court, they got Capella, who's on an on a bigger deal. He got an extension, and he's he's not what he used to be in Houston. He's he's kind of declined a little bit. And I mean, John Collins, he's he yeah, he's just not happy. He's been in rumors since he's been in Atlanta, and I just. I'm not that high on him. He's 
kind of just he's an inside scorer but he's a little undersized he can't really shoot it that well he doesn't do anything besides like being athletic and above average defense he's not like a difference maker i don't think and he has a he also has a pretty decent sized contract and i don't i don't think any contender is like oh we need to go get john collins i don't think that's really i don't think anybody like really is looking out to get john collins i think i agree for first and foremost but i think it's in john collins's best interest to almost just take a take a big contract somewhere and be a ticket seller mm-hmm. go go somewhere like charlotte go somewhere like like the hornets or something like that and, and and just you know be be a solid like 18 and 8 guy playing next to somebody like lamello sell sell some tickets be exciting and, and, and you know push push for mid playoffs you know the, the the ceiling on a team like that is pretty high it's not nba finals but like a team when lamello hits his peak you know the peak that we see, you know possibly see with John Collins and you know the 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 other young guys there, Mar- Mark Williams has been playing better, you know that that could be interesting. But I mean, I I agree. I just don't I don't. It's definitely not like OG, you know, where mm-hmm. you can see all everybody lining up to get him. And it's also like I almost look at John Collins like, like, Christian Wood light, but like Christian Wood is already kind of the light version of so many other players. <laughs> Like like Christian Wood is AD light, yeah. But then like John Collins is Christian Wood light. It's like it's like how many levels down do you go before it's just not valuable? And he also seems to kind of want a lot of money because he he seems very confident in himself. And I I think he's a good player. I it almost seems like one of those examples where it's right player wrong era, where like if he played ten years ago he'd be a monster. He'd be like you know in a Mari Stoudemire type type you know paint beast but like he's just not like the, yeah. he's too slow on defense there's too many good shooters to expose him he doesn't want to you know work on becoming like a paul Millsap, jackknife i, passer I was gonna yet. say paul Millsap. he doesn't want to do that though paul paul Millsap has an incredible work ethic you know came from louisiana tech small school like mm-hmm. this is a different type of player and i just Definitely. not everybody wants to be that guy yeah if collins wanted to be that guy i think he'd probably be sticking in atlanta it's tough for me because i think I think while they have it's weird because I think I feel like Atlanta hasn't necessarily prioritized Collins um in the way that they have Trey Young. I think they've made it very clear that's who they're building their offense around, For sure. which I think is completely fair, but I think that puts a talented guy like Collins, especially a talented front court guy like Collins in a really rough situation, especially now it's a guard-oriented league, you know, so when you make a commitment to your point guard, especially one that's as strong um, as Atlanta has made to Trey Young, I think it's going to put any forward in a, in a bind. Um, the good thing about Collins, though, I think one of the more appealing things about him is that he's under contract, I think, for this season, the season after that, the season after that, and the season after that. He's an unrestricted free agent in 2026. And he'll be 29. So What's his money? What's He's year? on a five-year, $125 million deal. Okay. So, I mean, he's... He's, and this is his second year of that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's bringing in a lot. I mean, he's annually going to get $25 million, uh, for the next two seasons. He's going to get $23 million this season, and he'll get 26 in his last one. But, I mean, I think if a team trades for him and they know how to utilize him and they are able to – I guess 
I think a change of scenery could do wonders for him. Definitely. I think I think he could get back to playing up to this deal um, by just being dealt anywhere. Just because I feel like he's been unhappy in Atlanta for so long. I think it was almost I think it was almost only a matter of time before it started to taint his game a little bit. And this season I think we've seen it, which is unfortunate for Atlanta because now you have a guy who's not playing so well. That doesn't necessarily make him the hottest guy on the trade market. Yeah. But I really like Collins. I hope things work themselves out. I I think he could be really talented. And in a situation like Charlotte, I think that could be great. I mean, I feel like that team would be a little more than fun. I feel like they could be competitive. You get a rejuvenated yeah. John Collins and a third, fourth-year LaMelo ball, That's, and then you put the right guys around those guys, I think. pick, probably. Is that top five pick? Probably. Something like point, that, yeah. You know, and 15 then, wins right now, so. Yeah, I mean, get another guy. I mean, that's those are three legitimate guys who will all be in their 20s. Yeah. You know, that's a bright future, and that's certainly a step in the right direction. Mason Lord. Plumlee will be there. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Lord knows. Charlotte Charlotte needs well, I mean, all that they can get. He'll be there if the, the asking price is still a first-round pick. I think that is a wild ask for a player of his caliber. Mason Plumlee? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've heard rumors of a first for him, and I I think that's just the Go Bear trade really just inflated this deadline or this trade market where we might not even see. I mean, we're talking about these deals right now, but we might not see any by the time next week comes. For sure. Oh my gosh, that Go Bear deals <laughs> perplexing to say yeah. the least. But we got a couple of more guys on this uh, brief update for the trade deadline. Next guy, or I'll I'll go with the next two guys, Fred Van Vliet. Karis Levert, two players in vastly different situations, but I'll start with Josh. You can pick either one. You can talk briefly about both, but what are your thoughts on Fred Van Vliet in Toronto, Karis Levert, I'm, Cleveland? I'm going to stay on the theme that I've been pushing on other episodes when we've talked about other point guards that need traded, like D'Angelo Russell, and Fred Van Vliet needs to go to Orlando. He needs to go to Orlando. And I, I just want a good point guard in Orlando. I don't care about anything else because it'd be so fun because they have all the fun bigs. Like, I just I just want somebody – I don't care who it is at this point. I just want somebody that's going to be able to get those bigs the ball. That's it because Ben Carroll's awesome. Bull Bull is tearing it up. You know, Wendell Carter Jr. is solid. Like, they have a really fun team. And I actually think I've, – I've talked about D'Angelo Russell there a lot because I think it'd be really fun. But I think if you actually want to have success – like, if Van Fleet's available, that would be a really dream fit for them because, I mean, it's, he's more of a veteran leader than Russell would be. Like, he, he's more of a stabilizing presence. He's going to pass the ball more and set, he's going to care more about setting the other guys up and helping them. I don't think Russell, like, would not care about those things. I just think that, you know, Russell's going to get his own shot a lot more and, and be focused on his own offense a lot more than Van Fleet would. Van Fleet's also won a championship. I mean, and, and – I get it. Like with Orlando, you don't you might not want to get rid of some of those young backcourt guys, but yeah, I I think Van Fleet's better than Russell uh, a little bit overall, and I think he fits Orlando better. And I think if he's available, that's like I said, I think it's kind of a dream fit. Who should Toronto? Who who do you think Toronto should ask for in return? Do you want Suggs? And and would you do that? Because I don't think you want Cole Anthony in Toronto. I just don't. I just don't think that helps Toronto. But like Suggs, I think you know, a backcourt of like if you're asking Suggs to play kind of like pseudo point guard in Toronto's system, like a Suggs Gary Trent Jr. backcourt, you could do a lot worse. Those guys are both pretty big, pretty lengthy. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I mean, 
think I, would, I think that would probably be it. Yeah, I think it would be a little more than just Suggs. Well, but yeah, 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 maybe oh, yeah, a pick. And, yeah, yeah, that wouldn't the money else. wouldn't even work that way. No, maybe, yeah. maybe. Well, Toronto loves these kind of guys. So like maybe like Suggs and Okiki. Because Toronto loves Toronto loves those six 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 seven wings. Okiki's kind of been getting some spot, you know, yeah. some minutes, but he doesn't really have a clear. He's not gonna. He's never gonna start because you got you got Wagner, you got uh, all those you know Carter Jr. Bull Bull mm-hmm. like that. That front court's set. Sure. The starting yeah. Caro. Yeah, Bancaro. Like the the starters in that front court are set. The the two spots that are up for grabs are point guard and shooting guard, and and Suggs is gonna start at one of those spots. But if you get Van Fleet, you probably lose Suggs, but. You'd probably just throw Fultz back in, or, or or Terrence Ross maybe. I mean, he's played with Van Fleet before. Sure. Yeah, and um, I I think Van Fleet would be good for the Magic. They've been they've tore it down in I think, twenty the beginning of twenty twenty one, and so it's been two years now, and I think this is when you start to maybe, try to get a little more aggressive. See what your window is. See if you can. Have a mentor with like Van Fleet, pair him with Bancaro, pair him with Carter. I think that would be a lot of fun. I think that would be a interesting, not like a win now team, but like definitely like they they're also better than the record is. I I actually saw them live um, over winter break and they actually upset my Celtics and that was a they're a better team than their record shows and I think next year they could definitely be like a like a playing team like a definite definite like. Mid playoff, mid playing team. I agree. I think, I think Orlando is a lot better than what people give them credit for. I think it's easy in the league, especially now, to mistaken, to or to put youth and losing and teams being bad. It's either easy to make those two things synonymous, and they're not. You know, when a team is young, that doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they haven't figured things out yet. Yeah, you got to learn. It's a yeah, you process. have to learn, but. I saw them in Detroit as I saw them in Detroit and and during the infamous Killian Hayes game, oh, yeah. Killian hit Wagner. But uh, I think they're a lot better than their record shows as well. I think and I think Ben Carroll is a superstar. You know, yes, definitely. Um, and they're fortunate, just like the Pistons. You know, there are teams that go years, like seven, eight years, and they're unable to find the guy, like the guy that they know they're gonna build around. The Magic have that already, and they know Ben Carroll's going to be their guy. Fortunately, you know, the Pistons have that now in Cade, but um, I I think the Pistons and the Magic are on a bit of a, you know, parallel trajectory just in terms of I think they're going to get really good really fast, and I think a lot of people won't see it coming just because right now they are their record doesn't indicate, you know, how good they are. Um, but I think things will come together very quickly in Orlando just – how I believe that they'll come together quickly in Detroit. Um, we can talk a little bit about Karis Levert, and then we'll get into one last guy for the trade deadline. Um, but what do you guys think about Levert? He's in Cleveland uh, right now. I honestly, just to start off, I, I was really excited to see Levert in Cleveland. You know, I just, I thought it could really work itself out. I feel like Levert is just a hooper. Like, I think he always just finds finds ways to make things happen, you know, wherever he goes. Um, I feel like he's always been that way. Even when he was at Michigan, I was really impressed with him because he was taller, he was lanky, but he had a bit of a guard skill set, you know, and he just he just seemed to play, um, which is not 
which you always see. You know, the league is very structured. College basketball is very structured. But he just always seemed like a guy who just found his groove and just found a way to flow within any offense he was in. But it seems like he's on the trade block in Cleveland. But what are your guys' thoughts on that situation? I think he's a really good player. I think he could really help another team. I, I just don't think he's the fit in Cleveland. You, you already have Garland and Mitchell, and I think you don't need three like primary scorers in your backcourt. I'm, I think they need a wing that can shoot because Okoro, he's a great defender, but he's not a really good shooter. And that was that was their downfall in the, um, the plan last year against the Nets. And then they went out, got Donovan Mitchell. And now I think they just need one more wing guy, maybe – I mean, maybe OG. I they don't have the picks for that. I don't think, but maybe like a lower tier, lower tier three man that can kind of three and D guy. I think that would make them. I think they're a dangerous team right now because they have the closer in Mitchell. They got the front court in Allen and um, Mobley. I think they they're just a one three and D guy away from being a very scary team. It's it's a very similar. Well, it's actually worse, but it's very similar, in my opinion, to the problem that I talked about a little bit with Memphis, where it's Memphis Memphis has less of this problem because they have bigger guards with, like, Brooks and Bain and whatnot, but the Cavs have that issue where they have very talented backcourt players and incredibly talented bigs, and no one that's, like, 6'8", 6'9", to play the wing. Like, they just don't have those guys. Like, the, the guy that best fits that description on that roster is maybe Dean Wade, who has been playing super well. Uh, Osmond's 6'7", you know, 220, he's a little light. You know, Okoro's 6'5", you know, on a good day. Like, probably his best as a shooting guard. Like, they just don't have that wing. And they've <clears> – I, I think a guy that'd be interesting, I don't know – I think he would fit better than Levert. I still don't know how he'd fit. There's been a, a little bit of Tobias Harris talk, and Kevin Love didn't play the other night, and those are contracts that would link up. And I think Philly would actually love to get Kevin Love because – Harris isn't working out at all at this point, and Love fits ten times better with Harden and Maxi and just playing pick and pop off ball and doesn't need the ball in his hands as much as Harris does, and is also older and kind of fits with like the whole let's win a championship now Philly thing. I just don't know if I like Harris because like he, Harris doesn't solve the Cavs problem defensively at the three. Yeah, he it, just solves it size wise at the three, but like he's still not like a stopper. So I don't know, but like Levert, I I liked it. I just I worried about the fit when it happened, and it wasn't more of like, oh, Levert's not gonna fit. It's just like I don't think he's big enough to do the things the Cavs are gonna have to ask him to do. It's not his fault. It's more of a roster fault where like they don't have a guy that's that size. Like, like I said, it's Dean Wade. It's Dean Wade or nobody. It's Dean Wade or maybe Lamar Stevens, and those aren't options for your stopper. No, if you want to be a an upper class team in the east you can't be rolling out i mean dean wade's not that he's actually surprisingly better than you think he is but he you can't have him being your your guy down yeah, the stretch yeah. no, and, no hate to dean wade he's a solid a, player yeah, yeah, yeah but he's just yeah you can't have him down the stretch in a big playoff game i think it's tough i think it reminds me just of the situation we were talking about with collins where you have this ultra talented backcourt but you need a you need a forward who's good but but not good enough to command too many touches. You know what I'm saying? I think it's a, it's a really fine line, um, which I think why it's, it's clear why the Levert situation isn't working. I think he's too talented right now to be in a system where he's the third option, and they're probably asking, they're asking him to just play in a different role. I don't think they're asking 
more of him than he can give. I think they're just asking him to play a role that he's probably not accustomed to playing and which he's right. not going to thrive in. So they'll have to – I'm trying to think of some guys, but none really come to mind. They'll have to, you know, come up – I think a guy like a a Robert Covington in Houston would yeah. be really good. You know, just interesting. A, yeah, just a guy who can really – how Robert Covington was in Houston, mm-hmm. I mean. I know he's not in Houston anymore, but just a guy who can really shoot the ball and who loves to defend and, you know, who just – pretty much does those things exclusively. Maybe every once in a while I can put the ball on the floor, but... Yeah, the only guy I can think of is someone who just got moved in, Rui. I think that would have been a really good... Um, I think he would be a perfect fit there, but obviously he just got moved to the Lakers. So, For sure. Yeah, that that would have been great too. I think there's a little more to his game, though, than just 3 and D. You know, I think, at least from what I saw at Gonzaga, I, I just think it takes guys a little bit yeah. longer. Mm-hmm. But that's a big... It's interesting now, you know, so many guys are drafted now forwards and you envision them to just be 3 and D guys. Like, I feel like the Pistons kind of did that with Sadiq and he's turned out to be so much more. But depending on your system and your vision, it can be a good or a bad thing, yeah. you know. Um, but moving on, the last guy we'll touch on, Peyton Pritchard, uh, backup point guard for the Celtics, a guy who has clawed his way into the rotation. Um Made some really interesting comments uh, like a day or two ago, I think. Yeah. Um, in which I feel like he kind of said, like, you know, when I move on yeah. uh, like to an extent. it's a given but, already, which is yeah. sad. Yeah, he's made it clear, though, he's looking for a bigger role. Um, what do you guys think about, about Pritchard? And do you think there's a possibility he could be moved with a few days left in the deadline, till the deadline? Um, I, I don't think... They, the Celtics right now, they do have a. I think they have a small, uh, gap at the backup four. They they could or backup four and five in the front court. They could use another a body, but I I don't think you move on from Pritchard just yet. I think he's. He's good. He's actually playing a bigger role right now because Smart has been out with an ankle sprain for a couple weeks, and he when he comes off the bench, he'll make the hustle plays and. Those are the things you need in a series. Like last year against the um, the Nets, he went on a little like scoring run where he hit two threes in a row to seal a game. And you never know when you'll need that energy in a big in a big game uh, late later in the spring. So I, I think I think they should hold on to him. I don't think what you can get for him because you still have Tatum. He'll play forty minutes a game. And he can play the four, and I I don't think you need another guy in the front court to really um, offset the uh, the little mismanagement or whatever they have right at the front court. Yeah, I it's interesting just because I there's with, with Pritchard being not younger because he 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 didn't come into the NBA very young, mm-hmm. but you know fresher in the nba there's and he has had such a big role yet that it's kind of hard to tell what he's gonna do like like he could go somewhere else and blow up he could go somewhere else and completely flop so i i see why he would be interested in moving on you know and i see why he might make a comment where he's just accepted it and he's cool with it because why wouldn't you be i mean if you're him i mean you know the the possibilities probably seem endless because nobody knows what you're gonna do i mean there's there's hardly any tape on the guy really because you know he's he hasn't had no role, but he's had a relatively modest bench role, and he hasn't really had to make any 
you know, for the most part, crazy, like 40, like, you know, where like Anthony Simons, when he was young, got that like 45 minute spot start yeah. and scored like 40 points. And everybody was like, oh, like this dude might be on the bench right now, but this dude's like, this dude's going to be a future all-star. So yeah. like, Pritchard's never had that create those crazy moments, but he's played well. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe I, I, I hate to keep going back to this, but like maybe like in Orlando, like if they strike out with all these other bigger point guards, like if D'Lo doesn't get moved, if Van Fleet doesn't go anywhere, and Orlando's just like, hey, we can keep Cole Anthony and Suggs and then go get this guy and just have an open open season tryout, basically, at which guard's the best and who do we like the most. I don't know if Pritchard's like a needle mover, but it's – I would say I'm more intrigued where Pritchard lands than like Collins or Levert just because I feel like – I know I feel like more confident in knowing how Levert and Collins are gonna do. Like like we've seen them, we know what they're gonna be, and I don't really think it like a change of scenery might help them, but I don't think it's gonna unlock something. Like Pritchard might really ascend, but he might not. And I think that's what's fascinating about him. Yeah. If if I had to bet on it, I would say he stays for the trade deadline and then maybe this summer I think they would move him because they do have a couple guys waiting in the G league that have been putting up some decent numbers at, at the guard that they could throw in later next year. But I think they'll hold on to him for at least this, this run they have going right now. Is there, is there anywhere that you would like to see him? Is there anywhere that you think like really benefits Pritchard? Well, I think I, I wouldn't like to see it, but I think he would do really well with golden state. Be another one of those just guards that shoots and just runs around picks for days and just plug him right in. Yeah. But, that's yeah. I would hate to see that, but that would probably be his perfect fit. If I had to say that that one. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big time fit right there. I also, I think Pritchard's just a guy that a few teams should take a good hard look at. I think he could I don't know what his ceiling is, but I could see him being like one of the premier backup point guards in the league. I could see him being like what Tyus Jones is to the Grizzlies, you know, a guy who's just a really consistent backup point guard and you feel more than comfortable resting your star point guard 20 games a season because you have him at the backup position, you know, the way the Grizzlies have done with Ja. So I think that's Certainly another player to keep an eye on, but we'll now move into the all-star game that's coming up. So the reserves, the starters were were just announced. All-stars were just announced in general. We'll start off with the Eastern Conference. I just want to get your guys' thoughts. Starting in the East this season will be Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, Giannis, KD, and Jason Tatum. The reserves will be Joel Embiid, DeMar DeRozan, Jalen Brown, Bam Adebayo, Drew Holiday, Julius Randle, and Tyrese Halliburton. So, you guys can just get into it. I, you know, do you guys see any snubs? Anybody feels worthy, not worthy? Just talk about it. I like I like seeing Donovan Mitchell as a starter, just because I it's I like it for Donovan Mitchell, but I also just like it for Cleveland. I think it's nice. I think anytime, and this isn't like an anti-LeBron thing. LeBron, I think Le, everything LeBron's done for Cleveland and Akron has been fantastic. But I think anytime Cleveland can accomplish something in the NBA post-LeBron or just without LeBron is is very big for Cleveland because I don't like the narrative that like Cleveland only has the legacy that it has as a basketball city because of LeBron because it was they had some very good moments in the 90s and before that and stuff like that. 
So I, I just like the fact that it's, you know, it's Cleveland getting, like when Kyrie started, you know, the, the game. You know, it's, it's just nice to see, you know, a non-LeBron guy get that level of props, uh, especially on a, not the smallest of markets, but definitely not a large market by NBA standards. Absolutely. And I think it's only a matter of time before his backcourt mate joins him in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. I mean, and Darius Garland, let's give props to him. He's having a pretty big-time season. He's averaging 21-8, and eight, shooting 45, 40, and 87. So not far off from that 50, 40, 90 club. But, yeah, kudos to Donovan Mitchell. He's had an excellent season so far. And I'm I'm more than happy to see him in the All-Star game as well. But how about you, man? Yeah, I'd say Garland's probably one of the first at the top of the list of the snubs, I think. Um, it's very interesting to see DeMar DeRozan on here. He's had a decent year, but I mean, they're the Bulls are not in a good spot right now. And I just, I don't think he may be one of the t- top 12 players in the East. I mean, that's really what it is. And I, I just, I think he's just a step below that. And there's guys like Harden Butler that didn't make it over him, but, uh, I guess, 26 points is it's still a good good year but I, I think there's just other guys that might be a little more deserving is there do you guys have a biggest snub because to me so I'll, I'll hold it a little bit i just want to see what you guys say but to me there's one guy that i feel like i was shocked uh coming out of the west that didn't make it but i don't know if you guys do you guys have a biggest snub or is there like a clear guy to you i mean for the west i'm sure <clears throat> there's another guy for me for the east i mean for me, it's it's hard and like, yeah. Not to say, I think you can debate uh, whether he's worthy or not. But I mean, the man is averaging twenty one six and eleven. Yeah, you know he has had a resurgent year. He's, I mean, he's he's just been better, you know. And Harden's Harden's so different, just because I feel like we got so accustomed to him dominating, and then there was a point where he was out of shape, his conditioning wasn't up to par, but he was still putting up really solid numbers. But you knew there was a drop off. Um. I feel like now he's at more of like a happy medium where he's not where he was in Houston, but at the same time, he's not by any means out of shape or anything like that. He's just back to being a really great player. Um, 21, 6, and 11, I mean, those are big-time numbers. Um, And the Sixers have done well so far this season. Uh, I don't think they've performed up to maybe the standards they had for themselves, but they're third in the East right now. So that was – I feel like one of the bigger snubs. I was really happy, though, to see Tyrese Halliburton uh, get his first all-star nod. He's had an amazing year in Indiana. Um, Indiana, I mean, I think Halliburton has really helped sort of expedite this rebuilding process. I don't don't even know if you can really call it a full-on rebuild because they went out and they got the pieces that they need for the future. Like, I think their future is very much intact. I don't think they're going to have to – rebuild through the draft or anything like that they're just gonna have to work on developing these guys and you know making sure that money and egos and all those other things don't get the best of this core but he's had a great year too he's averaging 20 points four rebounds and 10 assists a game and he's shooting 48 percent from the field 40 percent from the free throw line and the other reason i just had his free throw percentage Yeah, I'd say Tyrese has been a really good player. And he's also, yeah, he's helped with uh, Ben Matherin, who, yeah. who's in a top three yeah, rookie of the year case. So yeah. I think. And he shoot 88% from the free throw line. Wow. So another guy who's at 
almost at that 50, 40, 90. And yeah. that's huge, too, because, I mean, his usage rate is super high. Mm-hmm. Indiana looks to him on every possession. Yeah, I feel like he could be maybe a more of a modern modern day Chris Paul, maybe without as good of a defense, but distributing the ball to other guys and getting his when when he needs to down the stretch. I think he can be this won't be his only all star game. I think he'll he'll be in many in the in the next coming years. Oh yeah, here's to many more. I think I think this is only the beginning. I think he'll certainly have a, a Chris Paul effect. It's definitely refreshing to see too, just because I think the pure point guard is a dying breed of the league, unfortunately. We don't see too many amazing floor generals who really know how to balance the floor and create for themselves when necessary, but I think Halliburton is going to be one of the few guys to keep that alive heading into this next uh, generation. So that's the Eastern Conference for you. You guys have anything else to add before we get on to the West? I'd say one other debatable one. I wouldn't I wouldn't go this way, but Jalen Brunson has also had a very good year. He's an all-star level year, but I mean this year there's just so many guys ahead of him that he just didn't make the cut. Yeah, but I think Brunson. I think just because this is his first year with, I don't. I don't even know if you can't say the Knicks are his team, but he definitely has a huge role. Mm-hmm. I think it's not surprising. He's had a great year, but I, I think next year he's he's definitely one of those guys that's pushing for a spot. Definitely, and like all the critics that said it was an overpay, and why are you giving this guy no. like a yeah no? He's definitely in the upper echelon of point guards in this league. Yeah, he was gonna get paid like an all star whether he was in Dallas or not. It yeah. was just a matter of if Dallas was gonna pony up and pay him, which they didn't. I, I think the problem there is more of just the Knicks aren't quite good enough to justify him and Randall making it. Definitely. That so was, you, so yeah. you had like if if as soon as Randall got in, Brunson wasn't going to get in. Yeah. And if if Brunson would have gotten in, it probably would have been over DeRozan, and then I don't think Randall would have gotten in. I think somebody else would have taken that spot. I don't think there was any world where the Knicks were getting two. Sure. Yeah. But the, I think the crazy thing is though, with the way the market is, the New York, especially the New York market, if they were third maybe even fourth. I mean, they're seventh right now. I think then you can justify having those two because every, I feel like the Knicks are such a commodity still, yeah. you know, even as bad or as mediocre as they've been. But they're only two games above 500. You can't justify having two All-Stars, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that was that was the case that hurt Jalen Brown last year when they when the Celtics were at around 500. But shout out to him. He he got the nod too. Only a second one, surprisingly, for how, how long he's been good. He's only had uh, two All-Star appearances, so. Well, and, and you say, you know, if they were third, maybe, but I know we're about to talk about the West. That that snub I was thinking of was Deer and Fox, and they're, yeah. they're third, and they didn't get Oof. two. They didn't get two. Oof. And listen, I, Sabo's great. I think, I, I'm a big Sabonis fan, but I, I don't know how you leave Fox off. Yeah. I. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of speechless. I'm, I'm, listen, yeah. I, the Harden thing surprises me. But I'm less surprised by the Harden thing because Harden's had so many that I think maybe like sometimes people forget how great he is and they just like screw up and they leave him off one year. They're just like, he's not doing anything special. And it's just like, no, he's just doing the same special things he's done for 10 years. Yeah. like He's a Hall of Famer. But like Fox is like that. That team's third in the West. Nobody saw that coming. Like at best, people were picking them to be like a playing team. You know, they were saying every trade that was talked about was talked about how the Kings lost it. The Halliburton trade, they lost it. The Herder trade, they lost. You know, all these trades that they made, they were talked about how they gave up too much or they didn't get enough back. 
or whatever. Nobody was thinking Mike Brown was going to make a difference. But uh, I just, I don't know. That was the biggest one for me was Fox. I, I'm a little shocked. I'm just a little shocked. And I've, I picked Portland in the Western Conference Finals. Dame has missed a lot of time, and Portland sucks. Yeah. I, 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 uh, Dame's averaging 30. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but he's missed a lot of games, and Portland is not very good. And that one kind of surprised me a bit, and so did the Paul George one. I was going to say the yeah. Paul George one. For the amount of games he played and the – I mean – the Clippers are kind of, I mean, they're the four seed, or, yeah, four seed, but they're kind of underachieving right now. I mean, yeah, the Blazers aren't even above 500. Yeah. For sure. I, I think there was, I think Fox definitely deserved more credit than a guy like Paul George. Yeah. yeah. So to round out that res- those reserves for the West, it was Ja Morant, Sabonis, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Paul George, Damian Lillard, Lori Markinon, or Markinon, and Jaron Jackson Jr., Shout out to the Spartans getting his first nod. Yes, that's nice. It's that's, that's nice huge. to see. Yeah, I and I like Markin and getting a nod. Markin because yeah. that's like I just I I just find unicorn type players like that fun to root for. Like Bull Bull. Like I'm not comparing them. Like Bull Bull's a much better <laughs> athlete, but like Markin's a unicorn in his own way. Yeah, yeah. he's Chris Stapps like. You know, he's not as big, but like it's a similar skill set. And I just I like that that he's doing very well there. And I think that's a really surprising trade. Like that, I mean, did anybody see that that trade for Donovan Mitchell netting the Jazz and the Cavs each having an All Star? No, <laughs> no, you, <laughs> have. you know Absolutely what I mean. Yeah. Like, 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 talk about a talk about a, a clear win win, you know, for both sides. But I mean, both teams came out of that with an All Star, none uh, none of which were Rudy Gobert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the starters for the West were Stephen Curry, Luca, Jokic, LeBron, and Zion. I think it's interesting that Zion got the start too, considering he's been out for a little bit. But when he's been on the court, he has been a real difference maker for them. And uh, yeah, I'm not too mad about that one, but I think it's just surprising. And then uh, actually, one more snub. I feel like Anthony Edwards. I they've been playing a little bit better as of recently, but Edwards averaging 24.9. He's been doing. He's been starting to lead that team. He's no longer sitting behind Cat with Cat being injured. He's kind of taking the reins of being that guy for Minnesota. And I, I hope that continues for them, for him and them. Something I find interesting with the starters is I find it very both interesting but also just, just cool as a, as a sports fan perspective that four of the starters – being LeBron, Steph, Kyrie, and Katie are very much like old guard, already clear Hall of Fame guys yes. in their 30s. And they're all still all-star starters. Like, all those guys are, are either approaching or well into their mid-30s. They're, they're all, quote-unquote, past their primes. Not that they've slowed down. I mean, they're all playing at elite levels. KD's in the MVP conversation. LeBron's chasing Kareem. Like, Steph's, you know, Steph's playing lights out. But, like... Then they're mixed in with Zion, Luca, Tatum, Donovan Mitchell. And I kind of think that, especially with the new format changes with picking the teams right before the game and stuff, like this might end up being one of those like Kobe and some of the, you know, young LeBron, young Mellow All Star games where it was a little bit not passing of the torch, but you saw that clash of eras, you know, when the guys were having a little bit more fun than a lot of the other all-star games because you just you saw those era rivalries come out where the, the old guys don't want to lose to the young guys, and they want to prove that their era was better. 
For sure. I definitely think it'll be cool to see. It's definitely a good mix of, um, I think, youth and veterans around the league right now. I think in both conferences. So it'll definitely be something to keep an eye on. I want to touch on another guy from the East who got a nod in the reserves that I'm really proud of. That's uh, Drew Holiday. I've always been a fan of Drew Holiday. I've always admired his game. Um, I feel like he's maximized his role in every step in every place he's been in, you know, starting off in Philly. He was their franchise point guard on some good but not great Sixers teams. Interesting. Some yeah, interesting teams. Yeah, some really interesting Sixers teams. Teams that were playoff contending teams. Um, was traded to New Orleans where he was supposed to be their franchise point guard. Unfortunately, had a lot of injuries, struggled to stay healthy. New Orleans elected to move on. Um, ended up having sort of a resurgent end of his career in in New Orleans where he really was a big part of what they were doing ended up getting traded I don't think he really fit their timeline at that point still no matter how great he was there um and has made the most of his time in Milwaukee and has been phenomenal um and I think it's been even more brilliant with Chris Middleton missing so much time I think he's really proven how valuable he is to this Bucks team so it's another guy I'm really proud of um but you guys have Anything else to add from the East or the West? Well, the only thing I'm I would say is SGA getting yes he was obviously gonna make it, but I think that's that's a good first timer to have in there too. I think he definitely deserved it. Had a good year. I I, I think it. I will say I think it's one of the while while the Fox and the Harden snubs are pretty pretty blatant to me. I think it's one of the better All Star groups. Like sure. of, of making yeah. sure like new guys get like the guys that deserve the new guys that deserve it get their first stop. You know, it's a good mix of first timers, you know, giving credit to the vets. And and I, other than those two snubs, like because some years there's a lot of snubs. Yeah. There's a lot of snubs or like when you start getting into the injury guys and then you start like, you know, where a guy gets snubbed and then you get snubbed again because you snub him. And then there's an injury designation. Mm-hmm. You snub him on the injury designation where it's like I, I other than. The only thing I, I, and Tim, you said, but the, the DeRozan one. Yeah, it's just like, just, it's, it's. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, like, you're just. It's, like, it's just like, I don't know how to talk about it. Like, like, he has the numbers, but like, does anybody really want to just see like, just some mid range like jump DeMar, shots in the DeRozan? Like, yeah. I, like he's a, he seems like a very nice guy. He's done a lot of stuff for like mental health. Like, yeah. I like him as a player. So I feel, I just, I don't feel right like slamming him like this, but it's like, I just don't. Get yeah. it? I don't it, know. It should be a showcase of of talent and fun. And I mean, I'm not saying he's like 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 he's if, just a little more boring than the other guys. Like I if the like. bar is that low for team success, why isn't Ben Caro in? Yeah. Well, I the Bulls, I think the, we got to give credit where credit is. Due. I mean, regardless of whatever we want to say, Demar has been a guy who brings it every single Absolutely. night for, I mean, for the entirety of his career. I mean, yeah. averaging 26 a night on a team, you know, that's had championship aspirations that's not even close to that right now. I mean, yeah. I think it's it's pretty hard to do. I mean, and he's done it. He's done it all just while being himself still, you know, he's coming yeah. off a season which he averaged 28 last year. So all NBA. Yeah. I mean, I well, think, yeah, yeah. I think coaches, uh, players, people within the league, understand the value of this guy just because like i said he's a guy that brings it every night you know averaging 25 plus 
is not easy to do regardless of the roster you're on. And he's on a roster that's still trying to win, but that's simply not good enough. And they, they have had a lot of injuries. They have, yeah. But, yeah. but Monzo, that's I still don't – I don't know. That's To me, that was always a, a team of, like – they were like, oh, this is our big four, but, like, half of those guys should be, like, the third guy in a big four. Yeah, they kind of rushed what they were trying to do, yeah. trying to piece it together with guys that aren't of the top-tier caliber and then – like like Lonzo, Vooch, and Levine should to me should be no higher than like your third or fourth guy. Yeah. And like at least one of those guys has to be the second guy yeah. there. Yeah. I think I mean I think Levine was capable of doing it. I think when you put the ball in Lonzo's hands, we've talked about it. I think when you put the ball in Lonzo's hands and then you have Demar and Levine on both sides of the wing, you've got a dangerous court trio right there. Yeah. And the- then you factor in Vucevic, like Nikola Vucevic. I think that's a really big time interior presence but who knows i yeah. i don't think that chicago team will ever come to fruition no. just because the of everything timeline that's going the, the timeline didn't match up yeah, yeah. Vooch is too old Vooch is going to be like 34 by the time they get healthy yeah, yeah. and patrick well, williams i, ball, I really. think they yeah. thought he was going to be a lot more than he has been so yeah. far which is unfortunate but yeah i just i don't their future is kind of they like might be Ayo, looking though. to sell yeah yeah Ayo, 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 my, my apologies there i like io i always get that wrong but Oh, yeah. I always get Lori's name wrong. Marketing. Yeah. But, well, that concludes our segment for the All-Stars. It'll certainly be, I think, a great game this year. Like we said, we've got a good mix of youth and veterans. Um, Are you guys excited about that change, the the, the picking teams differently? Like, does that do anything for you guys, how they're going to pick the teams right before the game? Or or is that a non-starter? Because that's what they're doing it for. Yeah. They're trying to make it more exciting, yeah. more like street ball feel, and play into the kind of the the. But it, is is that just kind of a minor thing? Or I think it could be cool. I I don't know how much it does. Yeah. But. I don't know. I I think I thought we had some good moments with the uh, and the TNT crew the trolling. Yeah, 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 with the Harden stuff last year. I feel like there's always some good moments that come out of that. But yeah, I think it'll be. It'll, it's new. It's interesting. I feel like the All Star. The whole weekend kind of needs a little bit of a shakeup, like it, the three point contest, dunk contest. They have like G League guys doing it, and I, I just, whatever. I, I yeah. think they could use, use more different ideas in, for the weekend. It's easier said than done, but I think, I think the aspect of pride needs to be brought back into yeah. it a little bit more. Like I really do. You know, there was a time. I don't know if you guys remember that 01 game, I think. Yeah, it was 01 where AI won the MVP. It was the East versus the West. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish we could see more of that again. Honestly, call me old school, but I wish we could go back to just it simply being the East and the West and both sides are just trying to prove which one is better. You know, to have bragging rights for mm -hmm, the year. Definitely, yeah. Would you do it how baseball does it and the winner gets – doesn't baseball? It's the winner. I think the they went gets, away from that. They went recently, away from that. Okay, I, I don't follow baseball enough, but baseball used to do it, where the winner of the All Star game got home field in the World Series. Ooh, I mean, that's how they used to do it, right? That's, I don't know. Uh, that's I think what you were saying, Tim, that they moved away from recently. Yeah, I didn't know that, but but that's. What do you think about that? Does baseball that do is a little anything bit for you, or does that? Do I you not like that in the NBA. I think it's different because, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are really tired and they're worn down. Um, the All- All-Star Weekend, I feel like people always say it's the midpoint. It's really like three-fourths of the season. Yeah, like you've got yeah we're already like almost yeah. – we'll be like 60 games through at that point. Exactly. So you have a short amount of time left before you have to gear up for the playoffs. Most of these guys are gearing up for the playoffs. 
Um, so I think putting in bragging rights or not bragging rights, but putting something in like that an incentive, it's it's tough to do. Um, I don't know if I would do it, but I, I just wish, you know, the guys could have a fun, obviously, still make it enjoyable, but play a little bit harder because sometimes the, yeah. the intensity has been really, really, really low. But um, even if it's just like ISO ball, guys going one on one, I think that's fine. But when, yeah, it's it's just, when it runs into just like going up and down the court, no defense, it's kind of like, come on, like, let's what, why are we even here? It's just it's just alley-oop yeah. in transition and then alley-oop in transition. And that's like the whole game. Yeah. Some like pride on the defensive end and yep. going, going at someone and saying, I'll I want to put on a show right here and get a basket. But yeah, that's not really what it's been for a while. So. For sure. I'm optimistic, though, that things will come back. I think these things always have a way of working themselves around. Hopefully they bring back just the standard conference versus conference. But even if they don't, All-Star Weekend is always fun. There are always great storylines, great players. So I think it's just important to appreciate these guys while we can. But the last thing we'll talk about um, this week's episode is LeBron James. Uh, Going into tonight, LeBron had 89 more points to go before he – passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the all-time scoring record and a win against the Indiana Pacers tonight he scored 26 it's a low one for him this year he's been really on a tear that yeah. the fact that he's 38 and 26 is just like oh 11 of 19 okay just another game really yeah I mean he's averaging 30 this season um that leaves him Correct me if I'm wrong. I said 89 points minus 26. That leaves him with 63 more points to go. That would be a fun game. Maybe if he if he can do it all in one, I think that would be. Oh wow. I, it's it's not out of reach. I, I think that would not. be his, it would be his career high. But like at this point, I mean, Lakers are three games under 500. I think they could they could have one game where they just say, hey, let's just give the ball to LeBron and let him do what he does. I think I think it could have. I think it would be. It would be a very fun game to watch. For sure. The next couple ones coming up will be oh, yeah. definitely must-watch. But beyond the record, though, obviously he's about to approach it. I just want to take a moment to talk with you guys a little bit just about LeBron, his legacy, what exactly this record means you know, towards his career resume, and just who he's been as a player. I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on any of those topics. Yeah, I mean, I know, <clears throat> I know we're coming up against it, but I mean – just the, as I was saying with the Donovan Mitchell thing, you know, the LeBron stuff is incredible. But one thing I want to hit on before I get into the LeBron stuff, because I obviously I lived in Akron for for five years. I graduated from the University of Akron, so I have a lot to say about LeBron in a, in a good way, in a good way. But uh, it's very surreal and very awesome as a Clevelander and a Cleveland sports fan that it's very soon to be that the leading scorer in the history of a professional sport will have spent most of that time as a Cleveland Cavalier. And that's that's awesome. I mean, that's not something I ever thought I would get to say about definitely not a Browns player, you know, De- <laughs> definitely not there. You know, and the Indians have been very good, or the Guardians, sorry, the Guardians have been very good for a very long time. Uh, obviously still getting used to the name change, but, but I mean, they've been, they've been good for a while, but, I mean, they've never sealed a deal on a World Series or anything, and, I mean, LeBron did it, and – uh, it's just awesome. Like the first, the first NBA game I ever went to involved LeBron. I remember, uh, I, I actually lived when I lived in Akron, I could see, uh, St. Vincent St. Mary's high school from my apartment balcony. 
So I was right around, right around the street from there. That school, the I Promise school that he built, was I actually went to the parade and stuff they had because it was right down the street. But I mean, it, it's cool to see. It, it, and uh, you know, being from the area, I've run into people that like I, I obviously I've never met him personally, but like I've seen him at a high school soccer game where like my friend wore a Quitness shirt and he saw my friend and like called my friend over and like asked him why he was wearing the shirt and stuff. And my friend was like, cause you left. And it was like, when he was, it was like a whole thing. He took pictures with my friend and everything. It wasn't me. I wasn't bold enough to wear it, but I mean, but I mean, but it's just, you know, and guys that played poker games with him in Akron and such, you know, the guy's a legend, you know, and, and it's very cool. And he could have left Cleveland a lot of times. Obviously the first time was pretty messy. But I think that was rectified. And I, I actually like how he's owning that now. Have you guys seen some of the previews for that House Party movie where that new, the remake, a House Party, where he's he's in the hologram and he's telling himself that he handled the decision perfectly and all that? <laughs> oh, that looks so funny. But, I mean, that's – it's just a one-of-one, one, you know? Yeah. It's just – that's really all I have to say. Yeah, I, I've – come at it from a different way being I'm a Celtics sure. fan. I'm sure. 2012, that was one of my first that game 6 was one of my first Celtics memories. Um 2018, that was a tough one. That was when I was really locked in on them. But now, I mean, as it as I've gotten older, I I think I've been able to appreciate it more. Um uh, yeah, I think he's once he has this record, there's not much you can knock on him. Like, he, he has pretty much everything. He's done it all. I mean, obviously, like, the six losses, that's the only thing you can really pick at him for. And, I mean, to have six finals losses means you've gone to the finals at least six times. Can't, he has a, you can't lose if you don't he, make it. No, and he has another four four wins on top of that. So, I, th- I think he – right, if once it's all said and done, I think he'll probably be – I think he'll be over Jordan. Um, it's not done yet, but I th- I think right now he probably they're very close still. But I think it might be slightly LeBron right now, and I think by the time it's done, I think it might be more of a unanimous kind of thing for him. It's been interesting to see with LeBron. I feel like because he's been in the public eye for so long, and because he's done what he's done for so long, sometimes I wonder if people hold his longevity against him. Definitely. When you've been in the league for a long time, you're bound to fail more. That's the name of the game. It's just like life, you know? Um, And LeBron has failed in front of everyone. I mean, he's also accomplished more than I think what anyone could have anticipated. But, no, he's, he's just been one of a kind, I think. And, you know, for a guy to have been in the public eye from the age of 15 – be hailed as the next Michael Jordan at the age of 15. He's lived up to it. He's yeah. lived up to all those expectations that he that he had almost 20 years ago now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, to live up to every possible, you know, to live up to everything that he was billed to be, I think it's phenomenal. And I think it's a, a once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-generation. Uh, I think he's a once-in-a-generation type of athlete. I don't think this will happen again. I don't know if we'll ever see a guy have expectations placed upon him at such a young age and to see him or her capitalize on them in any sport. Um, I'm not sure if we'll see it for a very long time. We'll pro- it'll probably come around at some point, but it doesn't come around often. Yeah. So 
I, I agree too. I don't. I I agree with you too. I don't think you'll ever see it again too because the the hype he came out of was also such a unique time for high school ball. It was. Like, remember how big guys like Telfair and Melo and, and LeBron were? I mean, Telfair they, was huge. They were. They were. They were international basketball superstars. Huge. Yeah. Like high school guys today, like top five prospects, like five stars. They're not. It's not the same. No. Yeah. It's, I mean, those guys were. <laughs> We talk about NCAA rules and eligibility. Those guys were getting customized sneakers, wristbands, yeah. armbands. Like they were being treated as if they were NBA franchise guys in high school. Yeah, and there's you know OJ Mayo was like was OJ, OJ Mayo, OJ was, Mayo was the last one was the last one that yeah. was really like that. T Mac was like that, but that's what yeah. it was. That was the high school way, and like yeah. it's just not like that anymore. That's why like mm-hmm. you're never gonna get that level of hype mixed with that level of talent at that young of an age ever again. Yeah, yeah. We, we I don't s- think so. I think Braun and Telfair were the two biggest ones. I think because. Bron was Bron, but I think because Telfair was in New York. And, yeah. You know, yeah. being a star in New York at that point made you bigger than anyone else. Yeah. Especially as a teenager. Yeah. And I was just going to say that in the last few years, we've seen, we haven't seen comparable hype, but like the biggest ones when you think of it are Zion and now Weminyama. And I like neither of those, the, expect, the expectations haven't been oh, he's going to be the next greatest player of all time. I mean, some people are saying it could happen, but nobody's saying it has to happen. Yeah. Where, as LeBron, it was kind of like, this. Ha- he has to be the next guy. Yeah. No, I mean, not even this has. It's like he's going to be. Yeah. This yeah. guy is going to be the guy. He's I mean, he was the, the king as a freshman in high school. Yeah. That was, freshman in high was school. ridiculous. Yep. And it doesn't, you know, get much bigger than that. But he's lived up to every expectation. He's going to continue to. And... You know, we'll be watching when he breaks the scoring record inevitably, probably yeah. within the next week, week and a half. But that concludes our first episode of 2023. Thank you so much for listening to the courtside convo tonight. It's been great being able to be back into the studio. We'll be back next week. Go out, be nice to people. Thank you again for listening.